KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Wednesday, May 24th. There's many reasons why there's many multi-generational households in San Diego. In some cultures in the region, it's the norm. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Tonight at 6 p.m., San Diego County is hosting a virtual workshop to get feedback from residents on its updated climate action plan. The goal of the Climate Action Plan is to reduce or mitigate greenhouse gas emissions to zero or below. The plan is expected to be completed by 2024. Previously, some climate activists have been disappointed with the slow-moving process. Register for the virtual meeting at the county's website. If you did business with the City of San Diego recently, you could be owed money. There is more than $800,000 in unclaimed money that the city says needs to be returned to individuals or businesses. The unclaimed monies are due to refunds or vendor payments. City officials say they regularly send checks based on the addresses on file, but those sometimes are returned to the city as undeliverable mail. The last day to submit a claim is Monday, June 19th. Summer is around the corner and for some that means hopping in the pool to cool off. To keep families safe, the San Diego County Fire Protection District is giving out more than 400 pool alarms. The alarms go off if a child or pet accidentally falls into a pool. You can apply for a free pool alarm on the county's website at sandiegocounty.gov. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. Federal agents say San Diego is the epicenter of the nation's fentanyl crisis. Yesterday, they announced results from a major operation to try to control it. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado has details. On Tuesday, local leaders announced the results of a crackdown called Operation Blue Lotus. In just 58 days, law enforcement seized 4,721 pounds of fentanyl across the southern and central districts of California. U.S. Attorney Randy Grossman also said 200 people were arrested. Locally, they ramped up enforcement along the border and ports of entry. And San Diego County District Attorney Summer Steffen says most of the operation's arrests happened in San Diego County. Her office is currently prosecuting 24 Blue Lotus cases. It becomes very personal when 814 San Diegans were lost to fentanyl in one year, and 12 of them were under the age of 18. The operation is part of a federal multi-pronged strategy to fight fentanyl drug deaths and includes cooperation with the Mexican government. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. 
With repairs to a sinkhole on Lake Drive in Encinitas almost completed, the city has decided it will close a temporary access road. North County reporter Alexander Wynn explains why. Repairs are almost completed on the sinkhole on Lake Drive. The sinkhole opened mid-January, but got bigger after a string of winter storms in March. That forced the city to close off Lake Drive, cutting access to homes south of the street. Tony Krantz is the mayor of Encinitas. When the uh, sinkhole developed to the point where the Lake Drive was no longer passable for the folks that lived on the south side of the uh, sinkhole, we opened up a street between Wales Drive and Crest Drive in order for people to get into and out of their homes. While that solved one problem, it created another. Crest Drive is a narrow street without sidewalks and wasn't meant to handle the increased traffic. Repairs are set to be completed by mid-June. The city has decided to close the road link, but will install a gate to allow for emergency access. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. San Diego is one of the top cities in the country for multi-generational households, and each home of three generations or more is different. For the new KPBS series, Under the Same Roof, Reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with one family whose grandmother moved in so they could take better care of her. Whenever you have three generations living together under one roof, conflicts are unavoidable, especially with the little things like who gets to pick what the family watches on TV. Do you like take the control away from your grandma? And... Yeah, she does. No, I ask. <laughs> Alicia is a 10-year-old girl who lives with her two parents and her 88-year-old grandmother in National City. Grandma Ludivina Vega moved in with her family last year. She valued her independence, but health issues prevented her from living on her own. Oh, sure. It's much better being with a family. I lived in an apartment for a long time by myself. They wanted to see me, but it's not the same thing. Alicia's mom and dad both have full-time jobs. They're also taking care of abuela, which is what they call the grandmother. Liliana Vega says becoming a caretaker feels like a full-time job, especially when you have to navigate San Diego County's complex healthcare system. You just don't know who to ask. And then some people give you some information, but they don't give you all the information. I'm like, why can't? Isn't there something that you could just go to? Like, you have elderly parents. Go and deal with this if they're on Social Security or whatever. Like, it can't be this hard. After multiple phone calls with different government agencies, she was able to finally get a home health aid visit for four hours a week. Now she helps other friends who have also had to become caretakers and offers this piece of advice. Ah, it's going to change your life. <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your relationship with your husband or your partner, whoever they may be. And not necessarily negatively, but it's just, it has to be a lot of patience. And it's going to be hard, but the focus is, you know, the parent. The average cost of assisted living in San Diego County is more than $5,000 a month. That's according to a study by Genworth Cost of Care. Liliana's husband, Ricardo Islas, says that putting Abuela in a home was never an option, even if they could afford it. He remembers growing up with his own grandma in the house and says taking care of elders is a big part of Mexican culture. Oh, I just, I, I think it's maybe just the way we grew up, like whether whether it would be my parents or, or her mom, you know, when it came time to take care of a family member. Uh, I think we were just all raised to not put somebody in a home to 
just take care of them as long as you can. Even though she doesn't always get to choose what to watch on TV, NCIS is her favorite, Ludivina Vega says that living with her family is a blessing. It's fun. It feels good in your heart to be close to your relatives. In the following weeks of this series, we'll bring you stories highlighting the experiences of other multi-generational households. Gustavo Solis, KPBS News. Coming up, we hear from the WAVE FC president about their sophomore season and the battle for gender equity in sports. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. The San Diego Unified iHigh Virtual Academy will end next month for a few hundred students. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez tells us who will be impacted. At the height of the COVID pandemic, there were about 1,200 students in San Diego Unified learning online with specific curriculum from the iHigh Academy. When the school year ends in June, so will the virtual academy for just over 300 middle and high school students. The Board of Trustees is negotiating options for the next school year that include passing the teaching responsibilities to neighborhood schools that would then offer independent study programs and hybrid online learning. Trustee Sharon Whitehurst-Payne explains it this way. If you're a student at Morris High School and you need to take some time off virtually, then we need to have a way so that that student is still a part of Morris High School. IHI Academy will continue for about 245 elementary school students who remain for virtual learning in the next school year. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. And now some in-person learning news. There was a celebration at Moore's High School yesterday to mark the topping out of its new performing arts center. The final steel beam was put into place for what will be the 61-year-old school's first indoor professional performance facility. We haven't had a great facility to even have performances. So for years, students have been performing in the cafeteria and the auditorium. You know, the lighting is not the best, staging isn't the best. So this is going to really highlight um, the great talent we have of our kids. That was Morris High School principal Cynthia Larkin. When the building opens in 2024, it will have a state-of-the-art stage, LED lighting, an orchestra pit, and more. It will also house student services. Voter-approved bond money is paying for the new two-story facility, which will replace outdated portable buildings. The San Diego Wave FC defeated the Houston Dash 3-0 on Saturday. That puts the Wave in third place in the National Women's Soccer League standings. The team returns to Snapdragon Stadium on Friday in the hopes it can move closer to the top of the league. Midday Edition host Jade Heidman spoke with Wave FC President Jill Ellis on how the team is doing in its sophomore season. 
So on our program today, we've been talking about Title IX and the topic of gender equality in sports. How do you view the state of gender equality in soccer today and, and in sports in general? Well, I think we've, we've still got a long way to go. I think that's probably the narrative you hear from most, uh, most people in sports, uh, either gender. It's, um, I think we've still got you know, a massive gap to close. I certainly think the investment is starting to show returns, meaning that you know now you look globally and you see full stadiums, um, you see sponsors starting to step up. Um, so I think people are recognizing that this, you know, it's it's a viable business model and it's it's something that I think people are acknowledging now and then finally. And so I, I you know, with the investment, with better TV deals, with full stadiums, you know, that helps obviously push the the battle for pay as well. All right. Well, we definitely want to talk about the successful first season the Wave had for an expansion team last year, making it to the semifinals. What's been key to avoiding a sophomore slump this season? You know, we've, we've done a good job of bringing in um, some additional pieces. You know, Danny Colaprico has come in and, and been an immediate impact, Rachel Hill. So I think, you know, those added to um, the current roster that we had, I think has definitely helped us. I think, you know, overall, though, everyone just kind of feels you know, last year we had four months to launch. It was crazy. It was madness. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of processes in place. And I think now we've, you know, everyone feels just a lot more uh, established, a lot more uh, just in terms of our processes and, and what we want to do, everything from selling tickets to our training ground where the players train to upgrading our facilities. Jill, last Thursday, Major League Soccer, the top men's league in the country, announced San Diego will be home to its 30th franchise. What does San Diego getting an MLS franchise mean for for soccer in San Diego? To have, you know, professional soccer here, I think validates this, you know, as a a soccer community, as a sporting community. Um, You know, I like to think that they've talked about a team coming for a while. and, And I think that, you know, in truth, how well the wave have done in terms of uh, attendance and, you know, creating a synergy um, both ourselves and, and the loyal are here. And so I think it's, uh, it's helped kind of, I think, pave the way for, for this commitment. It's, it's a massive commitment, but I just think, again, it brings our sport to the forefront. And so I think it benefits, you know, everybody, um, in our community to, you know, to have a soccer be showcased. I mean, I think we've got, you know, we've shown that when you can have world-class players, you know, world champions, Olympic champions, on the pitch, people want to come out and watch. They want to see that that high level of talent. Mm. And on Friday, the Wave uh, will take the pitch at Snapdragon to take on Portland. What are you? What What are you? Where's your headspace on that match? And what should fans be looking out for? It is a big match because um, you know we're I think we're tied for points. They're ahead of us on goal differential. So between the top three teams, there's only a one point difference. And you know you want to you want to keep uh, you want to pick up points at home. So there they just had a, also a very big result. I think they had a four-one victory. So they're feeling feeling good. Uh, listen, on the pitch is going to be again. Sophia Smith is you know like Alex Morgan. She's a forward for the U.S. Women's National Team. So I think there's going to be some star power out there. I think it's going to be a really intense match. Uh, exciting. Uh, we're going to obviously push for a big crowd Friday night to help help push us, push us over the edge, but it's going to be highly competitive. Um, and I think it's a game that really matters. So we definitely want the fans out to support us and push us. I've been speaking with Jill Ellis, National Soccer Hall of Fame member and president of the San Diego Wave FC. As always, Jill, it's good talking with you. 
Thank you so much for having us. That was Wave FC President Jill Ellis speaking with Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Tomorrow, why May 25th is more important to Star Wars fans than the fun pun, May the 4th. May the 4th be with you, that is. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great Wednesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.